Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 3rd. I'm your host, Mike Perry. Thanks for tuning in. So April Fool's Day was this week, and well, there are a lot of fools out there. I'm talking about the people who think that one day Donald Trump will snap his fingers and the economy's just going to fire back up again. That once we get past the coronavirus outbreak, everything will be just fine. Quite frankly, that's delusional thinking. It's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not really one prone to a lot of hyperbole, but I really do think we are in the very beginning of an unprecedented economic meltdown. The reason so many people think things will just snap back to normal one day is because they can't see the bubble for the pin. They think this is just about the coronavirus. They think because we voluntarily shut down the economy, we can just voluntarily turn it back on. No problemo. But you know, the economy isn't a race car. It doesn't stop and start on a dime. It's more like a mile-long train. And as Peter put it, it doesn't matter that the wound was self-inflicted. We've still got the wound, and we can't heal it because we didn't wound a healthy economy. And really, that gets to the heart of the matter, right? This economy was on a path to disaster long before coronavirus. In last week's podcast, if you listened, I traced back what was going on in 2018 and 2019 and pointed out the cracks in the economic foundation. But really, it goes back even further than that. I was listening to Tom Woods interview Doug Casey earlier this week, and he argued that what we're seeing today is really an extension of the 2008 financial crisis. He said the financial crisis that started in 2008, view it as entering the leading edge of a gigantic hurricane. And we went through that leading edge, and you'll recall it was quite scary and unpleasant in 2008 and 2009 and 2010. And we've been in the eye of the storm since. Big hurricane, big eye. Now we're entering into the trailing edge of the storm, and it's going to be much longer lasting and much worse and much different than what we had back in 2008, 9, and 10. Casey went on to make the exact same point that Peter and I have been making. He said, I'm sorry that all of this is going to be blamed on the current coronavirus hysteria because this is just the accidental pen that broke the bubble. So no, things are not going to be fine in a month or so when hopefully the coronavirus mess is all over. Because things weren't fine before the pandemic. We did not have a solid economy. We had a bubble. The virus was the pin that pricked that bubble. There is no way to go back where we were. To borrow Peter's analogy, it's like trying to unscramble an egg. It simply can't be done. So let's pause for just a moment and consider the magnitude of what's going on. We just wrapped up the first quarter of 2020. It was the worst first quarter for the stock market ever. Ever. Worse than any start to a year during the Great Depression. It was a historic stock market crash. I mean, shouldn't that be telling you something? And by this point, you've probably heard the unemployment numbers. In just two weeks, 10 million people have joined the ranks of the unemployed. Some states are already reporting 10% unemployment. That is an unfathomable contraction of the economy. And I'm certain the number is understated because there's certainly a lag in processing unemployment applications because there are so many of them right now. The Fed has projected a 32% unemployment rate by the end of June. 
For historical context, the highest rate in the U.S. ever was 24.9% in 1933. So we're talking about unemployment that eclipses the darkest days of the Great Depression. So it's not unreasonable to say we're on the cusp of a historic economic meltdown because the numbers are already historic. But hey, the Fed is going to save us, right? Well, the central bank is certainly giving it the old college try. Here's another staggering number for you. $557 billion. That's how much the Fed's balance sheet grew this week. That follows on the heels of last week's record-smashing $586 billion expansion. So, in just two weeks, the Fed has grown its balance sheet by $1.14 trillion. The total size of the balance sheet is now $5.812 trillion. That's $1.296 trillion bigger than it was at its peak in 2015. Meanwhile, the money supply surged by $436.1 billion last week. Now, this is supposed to help the economy. This is the exact same help the Fed gave us in 2008. It's what set things up for today. The eye of the hurricane that Doug Casey described, that was made possible by Fed monetary policy. Peter put together a pretty funny video this week. It's kind of a Star Wars spoof, but the bulk of the video is an appearance he made on CNBC the day that the Federal Reserve cut interest rates to zero. And it's interesting watching that clip. I'll link to it on the show notes page. Because when the Fed did that interest rate cuts, when it cut to zero in December 08, most of the mainstream pundits insisted that it was temporary. Former Federal Reserve Governor Wayne Angel was on CNBC that day, and he insisted that, quote, the Fed is taking the action that it needs to take. And he also said that, quote, Bernanke will not be a Greenspan who will leave the ease on too long, end quote. When the Fed launched quantitative easing back in that day, Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke himself swore that the central bank had an exit strategy. He told Congress that the difference between debt monetization and the Fed's quantitative easing policy was that the central bank was not providing a permanent source of financing. He said the treasuries that they were buying would only remain on the balance sheet temporarily. He assured Congress at that time that once the crisis was over, the Fed would sell the bonds it bought during the emergency. But the ugly reality was there was no exit strategy, and we never did exit. I mean, they tried to exit. Then they just threw up their hands and gave up when the stock market started to tank in the fall of 2018. As I've said many times on this podcast, you have to remember that we were already in the midst of what was then extraordinary monetary policy last year. We had three rate cuts. We had the QE. They dared not call QE. We were on the path back to zero even before coronavirus. As Peter has said, you can't get somebody addicted to a drug and then just take the drug away. Right now, we've got so much drug that you have to wonder when the junkie is just going to overdose and die. The overdose, of course, is a currency crisis. It's stagflation. It could even be hyperinflation. You know, people say to me, Mike, hyperinflation, that can never happen here. Why not? What makes America special? What makes the USA immune from the laws of economics? Yes, the central banks managed to reflate the bubble after 08. Yes, they managed to pull off QE 1, 2, and 3 without creating a lot of price inflation. Could they do it again? I guess, maybe. The modern monetary theory people claim that you can just print to your heart's content. I mean, despite all of the money pumping into the system, the dollar is still strong right now. 
It's the healthiest horse in the glue factory. But of course, every central bank is in a rush to the bottom right now. But like I told a guy on Twitter last night, economics always wins. The distortions in the economy all of this intervention is causing will have consequences. Printing trillions of dollars out of thin air will have consequences. Trillions in government spending and stimulus will have consequences. Trillions in debt will have consequences. This isn't just going to go away in June. Okay, end rant. So, what has gold been doing? Well, it's been pretty volatile this week like everything else, but basically trading in a range just above and below $1,600 an ounce. It had its best day of the week yesterday, popping about 1% on the unemployment data. As I record this, the yellow metal is at about 1631 an ounce, and it's been on the rise in the early morning hours. Silver did even better yesterday, jumping 3.3% to 14.45 per ounce. I'm going to link to an article in the show notes page about silver. Have you seen the silver-gold ratio? It's at 110 to 1 this morning. And I was saying it was out of whack when it was 80 to 1. Silver is way undervalued compared to gold. And there are some significant supply issues coming down the pike for the white metal. Check out that article when you get a chance. I want to close out the show and talk about another fallacy I keep seeing repeated over and over again as this crisis unfolds. And that's this notion that some workers or some industries are, quote, non-essential. I actually wrote an article about this earlier in the week. Government officials across the country have forced the closure of so-called non-essential businesses while allowing essential enterprises to soldier on. Politicians and bureaucrats have developed arbitrary criteria to determine which businesses are and are not essential. Did you know the Department of Homeland Security actually has a list of essential sectors? Socialist central planning for the win. Woo! I say this is arbitrary because there really is no objective way to make such a determination. Nobody knows what really is essential and not essential. In the first place, every business is essential to the owners and employees who depend on it for their livelihood, right? Try telling the owner of a, quote, non-essential store that her business is non-essential when her mortgage comes due or when she needs to go buy groceries. As I wrote last week, the economy is life-sustaining. And basically, what we have right now is a bunch of politicians telling millions of poor people, you're not essential, go home and starve. Anyway, Looking at the macroeconomic picture, determining what is or isn't economically essential presents us with the fundamental problem of central planning. Nobody possesses the knowledge necessary to grasp all of the ramifications of shutting down one business in favor of another. The economy is an intricately intertwined system. It is diversified across time and distance. One part depends on another in a symbiotic relationship. Production and distribution form a long chain of interconnected links. In fact, the entire economy is a long chain of interconnected links. No link in a chain is non-essential. You may have heard of Leonard Reed's famous essay, I Pencil. The story reveals the complexity of the economy and the power of the market by chronicling the production of a simple pencil. All of the factors that go into doing that from, you know, the people who mine the iron that goes into the metal and around the little band to uh, the gasoline that's necessary to transport the wood. There's a great video that tells the story. Uh, I put it in my article and I'll link to it on the show notes page as well. It's really worth checking out the video. 
The bottom line is it's hubris to think that some group of people can micromanage an economy and determine what is or is not essential. Of course, politicians excel at hubris. So the bottom line is, I really do believe we're heading towards an unprecedented economic meltdown, and you need to be prepared. If you want to learn more about what you can do, how your personal situation can be improved, how you can possibly weather this storm, I highly recommend talking to one of the precious metal specialists over at Shift Cold. You can call them at 1-888-COLD-160, or you can simply email them at info at shiftgold.com. These guys have the knowledge and the investment skills necessary to help you uh, position your portfolio to deal with what's coming down the pipe. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel and Stitcher and Google Play. Just added both of those so you can find the podcast on any of those channels. Links to all of that on the show notes page. Appreciate you listening to the show. Hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you next Friday.